We need to recover biblical discernment in our lives as Christians. And we need to recover biblical discernment in our churches. Now, when it comes to biblical discernment, I'm not sure there's a more misunderstood passage of Scripture than the verses we're looking at this morning. Uh, Sadly, we as Christians often neglect our responsibility to confront patterns of sin in the church by simply saying, who am I to judge? And that's a misunderstanding of what Jesus is talking about here. So what is Jesus teaching us uh, in this passage on the speck and the log? Well, he's teaching us about what it means to have biblical discernment. You're going to hear me use that phrase throughout the morning, biblical discernment. So let me give you a definition of biblical discernment as we get started. Biblical discernment is the ability to distinguish good from evil according to the Bible. It's the ability to distinguish good from evil according to the Bible. And just as uh, when we are children, right, we grow up into adults and we are called to grow in discernment, so it is spiritually. Uh, We are called to grow up from spiritual children into spiritual adulthood. And that requires growing in biblical discernment. You know, when it comes to biblical discernment, it's not just an option God gives us. It is a god given responsibility. We need to be growing in this. And my hope this morning is that we would continue to grow in it this morning as we look at the Word of God. Uh, If you're taking notes, there are bulletins on your seats with fill in the blanks. I would encourage you uh, to use that to take notes if you'd like. Uh, And here's the take-home message. God has given us the responsibility of biblical discernment. God has given us the responsibility of biblical discernment. So this morning, we want to talk about what that looks like. And we're going to see three lessons in this passage uh, about biblical discernment. Before we do that, uh, we're just going to read the passage in its entirety. So would you turn your attention to Matthew 7, verse 1, and I'm going to read the passage for us. Jesus says this, Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Well, these are God's words for us this morning, and we're going to walk through it verse by verse. Here is the first lesson we see. Biblical discernment means we treat each other fairly. We treat each other fairly. Jesus says, judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, let's start here by talking about what this does not mean. Okay, this cannot mean never make any judgments or never have any discernment. As if we could just suspend all of our judgment and all of our discernment, right? I found in my life, I'm a big sports fan if you haven't figured that out yet. I found in my life that when it comes to talking about sports, like we make all types of judgments about players and about teams or maybe it's about business or politics and we have all these opinions, but then when it comes to moral matters, we're like, Who am I to judge, right? That's what we do. 
So I want us to recover a right understanding of what Jesus means here. It's interesting that in in verse 6, Jesus says, Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs. Listen, that's a judgment statement. When you get to verses 15 and 16 of this chapter, we are told to beware of false prophets and to inspect their fruit. That's a judgment statement. In fact, you walk through the whole Sermon on the Mount, what is Jesus doing? He's saying, uh, say this, not that. Do this, not that. Think this way, not that way. In John 7, Jesus himself tells us, judge with righteous judgment. In 1 John 4, we're told as Christians to test everything. So here's the point I'm making. This does not mean never make any judgments. Here's, Here's what it means. The measure you use for others, God will use for you. One person put it this way. The standards we apply to others, God applies to us. You know what Jesus is getting at here? Is that everyone in this room, we're going to stand before God. And just realize that if you spent your life harshly and critically judging everyone around you, God's going to apply that standard to you. And that should make you think a little bit and stop in your tracks. You know, I found in my life that I can have a tendency to strictly judge other people and then to give myself the benefit of the doubt. I know that's not true about any of you. But you know, when it comes to our actions, we can justify what we do. And then when it comes to other people's actions, we're like super critical of what they do. It reminds me of this this story I heard about this pastor who was working on his house outside and he was using a hammer, okay? And there was this parishioner sitting nearby, someone from his church, and he was watching the pastor intently. And then someone walked up to that parishioner and they said, you know, why are you watching your pastor? Are you trying to get some home improvement tips? I don't know why anybody would watch a pastor to get home improvement tips, (laughs) unless it's Craig. But the person said to the other person, they said, no, I just want to see what my pastor yells when he accidentally hits his thumb with the hammer. (laughs) And that's kind of silly, right? But you know what? Don't we do this? Do you ever scroll through social media and just think like, man, I'm just waiting for someone to post that wrong thing? Or we watch fail videos, right? Like in some ways it's weird. It can almost make us feel better when people get it wrong. And Jesus is confronting that way of thinking. He's saying, listen, if you're going to judge anyone strictly, judge yourself strictly and give others the benefit of the doubt. Treat each other fairly. So I was kind of just scouring through the Bible, preparing for this sermon and trying to just give you some application points. What does it mean to treat each other fairly? And let me, let me give you three things. Here's the first one. We do not judge each other over opinions. Is it safe to say that we've got a lot of opinions and preferences in the church? Is that true? I'm talking about things that that aren't even sin. I'm just saying we have a lot of opinions, we have a lot of preferences, and that's not necessarily wrong. But what is wrong is to harshly and critically judge each other over those things. You know, Paul dealt with this in the church. In Romans 14, Paul was dealing with Christians who esteemed one day better than another day or one type of food better than another type of food. And here's what Paul said to them. He said, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. You know what I hope characterizes us at PBC more than judging each other over opinions. Righteousness, joy, 
and peace in the Holy Spirit. That should characterize us as Christians. So that's the first one. Here's the next one. We don't jump to conclusions about motives. Now, don't get me wrong. There is a place in this world for for figuring out motives, right? In the courtroom, they go through a meticulous process to figure out someone's motives. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about how sometimes somebody can do one thing and we immediately think we know their motives. And I have found in my life that nothing will destroy a friendship faster than assuming someone's motives. We need to be very, very careful before we assume someone's motives. We can judge the fruit, we can inspect the actions, but we need to slow down when it comes to motives. The Bible says that a day is coming when the Lord will return and disclose the purposes of the heart. That's kind of scary too. The Lord's going to come back someday and lay motives bare. And until that day, we need to remember that we don't have all the information. Who has all the information? God. He alone can judge motives. And so we need to be careful not to jump to conclusions about other people's motives. Here's the third one. This one's really tough. We don't speak carelessly. We don't speak about God carelessly. We don't speak about the church carelessly. I had a professor tell me one time, just remember when you talk about the church, you're talking about Christ's bride. So we don't talk about the church carelessly. And we don't talk about each other carelessly. There's this verse in Matthew 12, 36 that will really stop you in your tracks. Uh, Jesus said, I tell you that on the day of judgment, you will give an account for every careless word you speak. That's in the Bible. So we just need to be really careful about how we speak. You know, you can do a lot of healing for people by how you speak, but you can also do a lot of damage and destruction with how you speak. Biblical discernment means we treat each other fairly. Here's the next one. Biblical discernment means we see each other clearly. Look at verses 3 and 4. Jesus is going to get into the parable of the speck in the log here. He says, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye? You know, this is major hyperbole Jesus is using. Maybe you've had a speck of dust in your eye before, and it's really unpleasant. I mean, right? You get the speck of dust in your eye, your eyes are watering, you want nothing more than to get that out. But do you know what's worse than that? Having a giant log in your eye. This word it's like, it's like a wooden beam that you would use to build a house. And so Jesus paints this portrait of a, of a person having a speck of dust in their eye and they're trying to get it out. And here comes this person with a giant like rafter beam and their eye like, hey, let me help you take that out. That's ridiculous, right? But we do this, don't we? We have a tendency to address other people's sin before we address our own sin. It's really easy to do that. And Jesus is saying, don't do that. Jesus is saying you cannot see yourself clearly and you cannot see others clearly until you deal with the log in your eye. It reminds me of a a story we hear in the Old Testament about King David. So maybe you've read about King David, right? He was the man after God's own heart. And David did a lot of righteous things, but he also did some wrong things. 
In fact, the major stain on David's life was uh, he committed the sin of adultery and murder. So Uriah, someone who was a soldier under him, he slept with Uriah's wife, Bathsheba, and then he put Uriah to death. And we shouldn't just glance over that. Like that is not good, right? And you know who was the most displeased with that? God. God was displeased. And so what God did is he sent the prophet Nathan to David. And Nathan told David this moving story. He told David about this rich man and this poor man that were in a town. And this poor man had bought this little ewe lamb. This little ewe lamb, it was like a daughter to him. In fact, they would eat his food and drink from his cup. And he would hold it in its arms. And Nathan continues to tell David this story. He says, there was this rich man who had all types of lambs. And one day the rich man had a guest. And you know what he did? Rather than putting one of his lambs to death, he took the poor man's one lamb and put it to death and fed it to his guests. And when David heard that, oh, he was outraged. He said, that man deserves to die. You want to know what Nathan said to him next? You are the man. Right? In other words, David, it's going to be hard for you to remove the, the speck of dust from that man's eye with the log in your own eye. But it's so interesting. You know what someone said to me after first service about this? They said, you know, sometimes it's hard to see those things on our own. Right? When we have sin in our lives, sometimes we just miss it. You might call it blind spots until God maybe strikes your conscience about it, right? Or, or God sends someone to help you see it. And we will all be confronted with sin at certain points. I don't know about you guys, but this has happened to me. I, I've been confronted with my sin before, right? And at that point, we have a choice. David had a choice. And what I love about David is he wasn't uh, just a royal sinner. He was a royal repenter. Because when his sin was brought to him, you know what he said to Nathan? I have sinned against the Lord. He didn't make justifications for it. He didn't uh, tame it down, right? He didn't make excuses. He didn't deny it. He said, I've sinned against the Lord. And he went on to write a psalm, Psalm 51. It's the ultimate psalm of repentance. And here's the good news about our God. If God can forgive someone like David for what he did, he'll forgive you and I too when we get it wrong. If only we will repent. The Bible says if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so when you are confronted with your sin by God or he sends someone to take that speck of dust out of your eye, admit, it, admit your sin. Confess your sin. And it will be met with grace. And then we will be able to see clearly to help others take the speck of dust out of their eye. Biblical discernment means we, we treat each other fairly. Biblical discernment means we see each other clearly. And here's the last one. Biblical discernment means we correct each other gently. Look at verse 5 with me. Jesus says, you hypocrite. That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? First, take the log out of your own eye. Now, does Jesus stop there? No. There's still something left in this verse. And then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. I think we miss that. I think we've tragically misused this passage of Scripture in the church. 
I mean, my experience has been uh, that often in the church, what we do is we take this passage to mean, hey, don't judge my sin, don't confront my sin, and I won't confront yours. And then here's what happens. We're all walking around with logs in our eyes, and we're all killing our testimony before the world. But Jesus never said, don't take the speck out of your brother and sister's eye. But just as if you were to take a speck of dust out of your brother's or sister's eye, you'd have to be very gentle, right? You couldn't be rough doing that. So we need to be very gentle. And we need to be careful when we correct each other. And I haven't always gotten this right. And many of us, this is a hard thing to get right. But we correct each other because we love each other. And we must do it gently. You know, there's a a scene in 1 Corinthians 5. Maybe you were here for the series uh, in Corinthians. And and the Corinthians, you know, they were a lot like us. They got a lot of things wrong in that church. And so we can learn a lot from them. Well, there was this scene in 1 Corinthians 5 where this man was caught in, in serious sexual immorality. He had taken his father's wife, so it was a scandalous sin in the church. And it was so scandalous that it was scandalous outside the church. And you know what the Corinthians did about it? Nothing. You can almost picture them throwing up their hands and saying, well, who are we to judge him? And to that, Paul says, you are the church and God has called you to address that man's sin. It's really interesting in that passage, uh, you know, Paul says, God judges those outside, but I've called you to judge those inside. In other words, we're not walking around trying to judge everyone in the world who doesn't know Christ. Why would we expect those people to be able to live up to Christ's standard? They don't have the Holy Spirit. But in the church, we do judge the church. But so often, what do we do in the church? We judge outsiders and we don't discern ourselves. And and, and Paul says, listen, God will judge those outside. You judge those inside. But why, why don't we do this? It's not very fun. That would be, that's what I think the answer is. I'm reminded of a time in my life where I, I wasn't walking with the Lord and there was a night where I, I was at a party I should not have been at. And I had a friend who came to me at that party and he said, Billy, you shouldn't be here. And I responded, you know, gently. <laughs> I didn't respond well to that. You know, I was being rebellious, and I was like, I want to stay, and he forcibly removed me from the party. And you know what's amazing about that? I look back years later, that was the most loving thing anybody did for me in that stage of my life. That was a friend who was willing to risk the relationship. That was a friend who was willing to risk comfort to correct me and to take the speck out of my eye. And I think we've lost some of this in the church. I think we've lost some of this among our Christian friends and our Christian families. But Jesus never said, don't correct each other. He just said, deal with your own sin and correct each other gently. You know, the book of James is another book in the Bible and it talks so much about what it means to to live for Christ. And it's really interesting. The book of James ends with these words. James says, my brother's If anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. It is a righteous thing when we take the speck out of each other's eyes.
And at Prairie Bible Church, listen, I want us to be loving, but sometimes the most loving thing we can do is take the speck out of each other's eyes. And when you do that, we save souls from death and we cover a multitude of sins. So let's be this type of church, amen? God has given us the responsibility of biblical discernment. And biblical discernment means we treat each other fairly, we see each other clearly, and we correct each other gently. I just want to give you three questions to take home with you uh, this morning as we reflect on the sermon. Uh, And here is the first one. Are you in the Word? Now, if you've heard me preach before, I kind of really hammer this home. But it's really important. Are you in the Word? We cannot have biblical discernment unless we know what the Bible says. And so we live in a time of technology where there are so many resources out there. We basically have no excuse not to be uh, learning what the Bible says. And I commend all of you for being here this morning because you're submitting to the Word of God, right? We need to continue to be in the Word, whether it's in sermons or being at studies here or waking up and having your coffee and opening the Bible. I just want to encourage you to continue to be in the Word. Here's the next one. Are Christians in your life? Here's, I guess another way to ask it would be, are you letting Christians into your life? And I'm not talking about just surface conversations. I'm saying letting people speak into your life and hold you accountable. You know, we have an enemy who's described as a lion who wants to devour us, who wants to steal, kill, and destroy us. And one pastor, he, he put it this way. He said, in the church, if we're like a gathering of people Would you want to be on the fringes of those people when there's a lion out there? Or do you want to tiptoe your way into the middle and be totally insulated by other believers? I'll take the middle, right? And so we need to let other Christians speak into our lives. I talked about that time in my life where I wasn't right with the Lord. Something that changed my life was to start letting other young men speak into my life and hold me accountable. Listen, we were not called to live the Christian life on our own. We were called to let other people walk this life with us. This is why we do life groups and studies. This is why we meet together. But are you letting Christians into your life? Here's the last one. Are we practicing what we preach? Are you practicing what you preach? I guess if you could distill these verses down to one question Jesus seems to be asking us is are we practicing what we preach? You might not preach sermons on Sunday morning, but you preach sermons every day. You preach sermons to your kids, to your friends, to your families. Well, are your actions aligning with your words? Nothing will hurt our testimony faster as Christians than our actions not aligning with our words. We need to practice what we preach. Band, you can come up. You know, as Craig and I always try try to close with this, the first step is to make Jesus your Lord and Savior. It's to understand the historical reality that 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ lived a perfect and sinless life. And he died on the cross for your sins and my sins, but he didn't stay dead. No, death could not hold him down. After three days, he rose again, appeared to his followers, and ascended to heaven. Where right now, as I preach this sermon, Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. And if you will confess your sins and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And you will begin what it means to have biblical discernment. I like to think about accepting Jesus this way. It's like two sides of the same coin. 
On one side is tails. That means we turn tail, repent, and leave our life of sin. The other side is heads. We head toward Christ in faith. And if you will do that and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will become a part of something bigger and greater than yourself and your life will never be.